Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We're back. It's the Luke and Pete show. Luke and Pete summer with me, Pete Donaldson. I'm joined by Luke Miller. All right, on the podcast. Yeah, this this music makes us sound like ten times cooler than <laughs> and better than we are. I know, right? It's like a massive like, oral illusion. Thank you to uh, Doc Brown for coming up with that bit. Uh, a bit of music. Yeah, Grab I got his this. Album. I got this. I, I got this off the album Stemmer. Mm. Uh, I'd like to start the show, Luke, by introducing our new show sponsor, Gasoline Chews. Okay. Solid camping fuel and a tasty jelly lozenge, good for what ails ya. Okay. Mm. Have you got, did we get some for free for that? No, I ate them all. <laughs> I bet you did. Am I right I on, bet you did. I, right on, I wonder what that smell was when I walked in. <laughs> it was petrol. Do not turn the light switch off. That's what I'll say. <laughs> or, or on. on. Or on. Uh, how are you, Luke? You alright? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, Doing pretty well, thanks. good. Still, uh, still reeling after last week's rev- uh, revelations. Mm. A few, few bits and pieces I'm still coming to grips with. Yuri Gagarin's face. As I'm sure the listeners are. The yeah. drummer of Lynn Skinnard. Yeah. Lovely. Soundwaves being responsible for ghosts. Who'd have thought Isn't that? Isn't there a Soundwave you can do? Like, uh, it was featured on South Park where you play a note deep enough, you uh, soil yourself. The forbidden brown note. I don't think South Park is a reliable account, but I, it's possible. It is w- possible. Well, what I would say is... That's what I would say. That's, what, that's the excuse I'll be using the, next Saturday the, night. There's a part of this show, uh, later on in this show, we're going to be um, featuring uh, the TV show Bob's Burgers. Okay. Or rather, it came from Bob's Burgers, oh. and that's how I first became uh, aware of one of the one of the um, bits. I'm not um, familiar with the show, so... Yes. Great, great show. It's a cartoon, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'll, 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 I'll usually go for Family Guy first. No, I'm not into that. I don't know why everyone's got a problem with Family Guy. I haven't I think got a problem. Bit of right right history on this one, I think. I'm not. Part, I'm not a part. They of They got us through some really dark Simpsons times. Pete, Pete, I am not a part of an overriding anti-Family Guy conspiracy. <laughs> I had no idea it wasn't very popular. I assumed it was popular because it's always on telly. It's just not something that's ever grabbed me. I do right. like the Simpsons, though. I like. I, like, I bet you're an American Dad kind of guy. I've Ugh. never seen it. Ugh. I've never seen it. Disgusting. I, I do like South Park, though. How about that? How about that then? It's been. It's been one week since uh, last we spoke. Shall we do that again? <laughs> It's been... What, there we go, a bit what, louder, a bit meatier. What, because you didn't have the volume off on the desk? Well, I didn't have the volume off on the desk because I'd faded it down to allow us to talk over the music okay. at the start, so that's why. I mean, that's that's Radio Presenter 101. That is radio... <laughs> well, if I had a proper playout system that allowed me to use different faders, I would have been all right, but clearly not. Can I venture that you are dressed like a Frenchman today? 
Uh, yes, I am. I've got the Breton stripes and uh, garlic up my bum. <laughs> Don't be... Does that have bring racism into it? How is that racist? Just saying you dress like a Frenchman. Well, what, because I've got a stripey top on? You're you look, bringing racism into it. You look, you look like you've just come from watching a lovely new wave movie. <laughs> a new wave movie? <laughs> a bit of Jean-Luc Besson. I've been listening to a bit of yeah, yeah music. Um, so... Luke, yeah. shall I get into um, what I've been looking at all this week? Yes. In one week? Okay. Uh, listener Tom. Thank you, Listener Tom. Basically, there's going to be a lot more listener interaction on this one, because, because to be quite frank, we've had a lot of emails, and I feel uh, kind of responsible if we don't get through at least some of them. What, I, what I'll add to that is, mm. I mean, for those who don't know, mm. the most boring part of a radio show making one is the prep. Yes. And if you can get a listeners involved, <laughs> if you can share the load around, because mm. let's be honest, none of us are getting paid for this. Yeah. Let's share the load around. What? A, a, hi- yep. a hive <laughs> mind of thousands of, uh, of people mm. is going to have better ideas than just you and me. Yeah, exactly. You and me, two people who've got no history of any good ideas anyway. No. So it's, it makes sense. So thanks to Tom. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know what the contribution is yet, but thanks to Tom anyway in advance. It I'll could be p- terrible. Hopefully it's good. Well, basically, you know what you were talking about a few, kind of a few weeks ago now, uh, about you uh, gave the rather large, capacious shout that you reckoned that if you are the pilot of, I don't know, a 747 on the way to New York City or something, mm. you could do a complete barrel roll without anyone noticing that you've done it. Well, I've heard. I, I've got a friend who... I've got a friend. My girlfriend goes to another school. Perfect. I've got a friend who knows someone who right. went on a plane once. And <laughs> <laughs> no, no, basically, I've, I've been told reliably, I've been reliably told right. that a good pilot can do a, 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 a barrel a roll, pilot? a barrel roll, maintaining 1G the whole way, mm. so essentially you would never know. So if, if it was night time, so there was no horizon to distract you, right. in theory... You would never know. Ha, I mean, what constitutes a good pilot, pilot when you're doing something that rarely is necessary? Well, you can either do what you can't. If you can, you're a good pilot. If you can't, you're not. Okay. Is that your only thing? Is that your only... That's, that's, if you were ru- running airlinesafetyratings.com... That's all they do in the test. You, <laughs> <laughs> can you do a loop-de-loop? Yes. Right, are we doing... You're a we, good pilot. Are we doing landing or takeoff? No. Nah. Yeah. We'll get up in the air. Do a barrel roll, and you're golden. The other block in the Chelsea, Chelsea, um, Sullenberger trial. Yeah, it goes. Sorry. Did you do? A, did you do a barrel roll? Not a good pilot. No, it didn't, didn't slap him. Doesn't Denzel Washington do it? Does, he sort of turns the plane upside down up and flies. I think we talked about this when we mentioned it the first instance. What are you bringing? What's Tom bringing to the table? Well, Tom basically says, uh, further to your barrel rolling chat, uh, I thought you might enjoy this video. Basically, you have a pilot in the US Air Force demonstrating the rolling abilities of a transport jet to some military slash government top brass while they're on board. So he's well, trying there to you impress. Go, then. What? It can be done then. Let's see the video. Where is it? Get it up. Here it is. Click play. Oh, it's only 45 seconds. That's a nice treat. <laughs> Last one you showed me was 12 minutes. I'm not watching that, is yeah. what I said at the time. 45 seconds. That's ejaculate. Are you ready for me to what? hit play? Yeah. Can I use the space bar? Yeah. I'm going to use the mouse. Gene Suker in the co-pilot seat. I mean, this is old. Had, this is old. This is like 1970s footage. With generals. Okay, so and he's got he the glass. Said, he's put uh, it on a little p- pedestal in the cockpit. The right over the instruments. Yes. That's risky, isn't it's it? It's half full of water, depending on your outlook. I think it's iced tea. Okay. Oh, he's just done it. He's doing it. They're upside down. The water, the iced tea's still in there. to think that maybe I could even pour iced tea. And now he's pouring it while he's doing it. He shouldn't be doing that. That's reckless. Keep your eyes on the road. Backhanded to see it on on camera. 
There we go. There he goes. His nose is really diving into the horizon, though. I'm not liking that. I have never been more convinced that that can be done. I'm just going to hit close that before it plays something else. Okay. I think also, if you think picture yourself in the cabin. Yeah. Where you're separate from the cockpit, so you've got no perspective on what the so so my what my the captain's doing. My theory on a lot of people who are, uh, are fearful of flying is it's a control thing. You can't see. You know the same way. This is I mean, of course some people are just naturally scared of heights and the, and the velocity and all that mm. stuff. I get that, but but you know I don't know if you, uh, you you won't know this, but I'm sure you've been told this before. When you're driving, you never get carsick. Yeah. Because you're always concentrating on what you're doing, yeah. so it, it never doesn't and come also into you're you. looking at the horizon most of the time, and, as well. and, and you, you and you're in control, mm. so you can predict and uh, you can sort of um, legislate for, for sort of bumps in the road and stop and start and all that stuff because you doing it. Mm. But so I think with, an, with with people who are flying, it's because they're not in control; they have no idea what's happening. They've got no semblance of, of, of grasping what's going to happen next, the turbulence, all that sort of stuff. So if you if you if you factor that in, people sat in the cabin in their seat seat belts in, and it's night time, for example, one hundred percent someone could do that, and, and no one would know. They wouldn't know. They probably do, and we don't know. There we go. I reckon we've at least experienced it ten times each. If there's any commercial pilots listening, uh, can you prove that you don't do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prove that so, you don't I mean, do don't that. do it on our account. No. In theory, because if you're going to give us your working out on a piece of paper, that'll <laughs> satisfy me. Good. So that's that's that's. I mean, why did he send that into you and not into me? Um, I don't really know. I mean, somebody else, uh, Caleb says, uh, as a licensed pilot who has done a barrel roll before. Showing um, off. Anyone could say that. I find it extremely doubtful that it could be pulled off without the passengers noticing. What's his name? That's Caleb. I've just seen it, Caleb. <laughs> no, we noticed that. We were in the we were in the uh, but, but cockpit what, though. But what I'm saying is that what the what the liquid is proving mm. is that if there was no windows and you were just sat there, it would be exactly the same as normal. You just wouldn't mm. know. I, I guess I guess maybe because because your hair would be in the same place and everything. He says even if the G's don't actually get very high, planes that are upside down have no lift, so they fall like rocks until righted. Something that would probably be noted. No, but it's like oh, a so you'd put you so you'd notice the plane going down. That's not and, true. Well, either. you do put notice planes going down and up, though, don't you? It can't be because it's like a corkscrew. Think of it like a corkscrew. It's going along. It's not just upside down and falling. Also, as a licensed pilot who's done a barrel roll before. Well, he's emailed in, isn't he? Is, is, there, is, there a, is there a photo attachment of his pilot's license? <laughs> well, not, I don't know. There. Not, he says, there. granted, I'm not an airline pilot, but I don't think it would well, change that much on a big airline I could, jet. I could have told you that. <laughs> I'm not an airline pilot, but I don't think it would change much. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a scientific analysis for me. All right, big man, what have you got this week? What have you been experiencing? I've done a barrel roll on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to see a video? I've no, rolled uh, around in a barrel. Yeah. Uh, I I've want... scraped a barrel I, with well, this that, week's. That is more accurate. Uh-huh. Um, I want to talk to you about a chap called Christopher Knight. Right. I read about this. I used to know uh, Christopher Knight at school. Well, he played what, what, the tuba. Tell me what you remember about him first. Uh, he played the tuba. He once put a picture on Facebook of him. He was a rather chubby chap. Uh, so well, he played peeking, the tuba, so that's standard. <laughs> peeking over his bed, looking at his cat. That famous photo you shared with me, I remember did that. I? Yeah, you shared it with me, oh, yeah. Well, we've named him now, so I wasn't <laughs> bullying you, Chris. I just thought it was a funny photo. He's not listening. He's probably got a proper job. <laughs> he's not got time for this nonsense. Anyway. I imagine he's playing his tuba, listening to this, and, and he'll probably go, all sad and that. <laughs> like Harold Bishop from yeah. uh, Neighbours. And looking at the cat and going, don't listen to him, Harry. Was Harold Bishop tuba or euphonium? I think it was tuba, wasn't it? He was tuba, yeah. yeah. Um, Have Frank- you seen a man? I saw a man in New Orleans uh, playing a, is it Sousaphone? Sousaphone? Which is the one that wraps big, around you? Yeah, that one. The big bad one. It's like, oh, yeah, so what's a euphonium then in between those two? Euphonium's a, uh, a tuba. 
It's a larger tuba, I think. So it's in between tuba and sousaphone. Yeah, because I used to play the cornet, which is a small trumpet, back at school, and yeah. I changed schools, and um, due to austerity or something, probably, Tory government, all that, yeah. um, they could only provide me a tuba, and to a little <laughs> boy like me, was hilarious looking. I mean, you're struggling to even pick that I up. I know. Yeah, with your asthma as well. <laughs> with your asthma. Uh, well. I might, if I, maybe if I'd kept it going, I might not have had such terrible asthma. Instruments I've attempted over the years. Right. Uh, guitar. Yeah. Drums. Mm. Flute. Flute? Yeah. Oh, you look like a 70s folk star. Well, I wasn't born till 1980. Like so the, yeah, but you would look like it, though. You th- you're talking Jethro Tull? I'm talking Cod- Garbutt. Codpiece. Who died recently. Codpiece. Yeah. Jethro Tull was the famous one, wasn't he? Did he have a codpiece? Um, I, I, actually, I think the band was called Jethro Tull. I think he was called Jethro Tull. Oh. He had a codpiece as well. Did he? Um, like the man from, uh, not Gun, uh, Cameo. Yes, That's actually. That's the word. Yeah, word up. What yeah. was that? What was that about? The big red cod piece. Don't know. It's the did, 18, did he go? I mean, I've got the leather trousers. Yeah. They're jazzy enough. <laughs> I'm not wearing a top. Yeah. And I've got <laughs> no, a jar, right? and but I'm still going to go for the red cod piece. The eighties were a difficult time for, for, <laughs> for us all. But anyway, did you all play? And the, the flute story is a, it's a boring one. But did you all play recorder at school? Ever uh, played recorder? I never played the recorder, but ever, yeah, everyone did. And they and they picked they picked a few of us who, who were all right at recorder to try the flute. And I, I think looking back on it now, it's probably a scam to get my parents to part with like hundreds of pounds because they're really, flute, yeah. they're really expensive. And that never happened. Do you remember so. the bigger recorders that were like larger? Yeah, stupid. I don't know why people got involved with those mega recorder. Yeah. It was like when Swizzle um, lollies came bigger. <laughs> those drumstick lollies. Well, you get a gigantic one because confectionery normally goes the other way, larger to smaller, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, if you if you pick up a Snickers now. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Massive Palmer Violets. Remember them? Yes. The big packets. I don't... I, they're, too, they're too floral for me. Yeah. Palmer Violets. Um, should I get back to Christopher Knight? <laughs> who took a photo of himself inappropriately with a cat. Yeah. According to you, Pete Well, Larson. appropriately for him. Well, this is a different Christopher Knight. Yeah. Um, who, in 1986, age 20, drove into the wilderness in Maine. And we talked about Maine last week a little mm. bit. We, we, well, we mentioned New England. It's a similar We never show up about it. No, um, along he drew he drove, drove his car into along more and more remote trails until mm. he ran out of petrol. At which point he abandoned his car and just simply walked into the wilderness. He didn't return for twenty seven years. Wow! He had no uh, compass, no map. He just had a tent and a backpack, and he maintains to this day he doesn't know why he did it. Now, there's a book about this called The Stranger in the Woods: The Extraordinary Story of the World's Last True Hermit by Michael Finkel. I just ordered it off Amazon. Not ready yet, but what I know so far is that. Um, it becomes a bit more of an interesting story rather than just <clears throat> the, the, the sort of hermit side of it. Because, you know, when people talk about hermits, and, and there's, there's been other examples of this type of story where people go out and they make a statement. There was a great um, Channel 4 documentary, called, I think it was called Alone in the Woods, about a, a nature cameraman, a documentary uh, filmmaker, mm. who basically just went out into Canada with a, a, a handheld video camera, and that's it. Right. And he dropped the... the, 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 the um, he just had, had a whole load of um, memory cards, and he dropped them off at an agreed point every two weeks or something. Yeah. That's all he had. Yeah. Um, and then what what he was planning on doing was just diarising his, his attempt to survive. He was planning on catching salmon when the salmon season came in. He was mm. catching li- little mammals and stuff. And what, what transpired was that it, it was just a disaster. He lasted, <laughs> he lasted about five weeks. He lost loads of weight. He, he, he mentally just completely disintegrated. Yeah. He was crying at like every ten minutes. <laughs> Honestly, Filming it. Filming it, yeah, it all. And, and it was a compelling watch. But anyway, my point about that is that when people do this stuff, they sort of go out and they, they paint or they mm. film or whatever. This guy didn't do any of that stuff. But what he did do, and where the story gets interesting is... He started stealing 
from local cabins on the side of this lake. So he found a little uh, spot on one side of a lake, completely secluded. No one was walking through there or anything. Mm. It was really, really rural. Um, on the other side of the lake were all these holiday cabins. He then um, started, because he obviously he was hungry, he, he started robbing, burglaring, uh, burglarizing, as they say in the US, burg burgling these, um, these cabins. He, he turned it into what has been estimated as the most prolific burglar ever. He, 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 had, he successfully bur uh, committed over a thousand burglaries and was never caught. And it got to the point of where he was so good, hmm. um, people knew there was a burglar around, didn't know anything about him. He was so good, they were leaving pens and papers out for him for shopping lists, just saying, look, just tell us what you want and we'll just get it for you. Oh, what? Instead of, what, don't yeah. burgle our house? Yeah. Have, yeah. you know. And, and they were leaving, like, um, stuff out for him so he wouldn't go into their cupboards and stuff like that. But he, there's no honour among a mad burglar, a he, mad forest he, burglar. He, he, um, he was, um, he, every time he found a spare key in a cabin, he took it. That's sinister, isn't it? Every oh, what? To so, so he could return? So he would successfully ch chivvy his way into a cabin, and he would, um, he would see a spare key, so he'd take it. And after over a number of period of time, he built up a spare key collection for every place. Oh my god! Yeah. So so he um. Two, he, anyway. two questions though. Um. One. Who was he selling this shit to? No, it was it was it was just, just selling to eat, just what, to eat, just food. He was a hermit who was living on the other side of the lake. What he was doing? He wasn't fencing the stuff to no, animals. No, I don't think so. I don't think right. there was a racket going on. Right. I think he was just literally seeing what he needed to eat, and that selling was it. a Game Boy to a squirrel. Yeah, no, it wasn't any of that stuff. He right. I don't think he saw any electronic devices. But anyway, twenty-seven <laughs> years later, he was finally caught after a th attempted to, after a, around a thousand burglaries. Right. Um, he was caught stealing from a holiday camp uh, on the lake. I wonder um, what he went uh, where he got greedy and just uh, got a big watermelon or something. Yeah. That was his last <laughs> one big scar. Go a back, massive watermelon. Go back across the lake, you sank. <laughs> um, he, uh, he, was, he, was, he was caught only a few years ago, and there's a book. Um, he, 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 he was absolutely inundated with requests from journalists because mm. people would, had sort of known about this. It's one of these sort of apocryphal stories about mm. this guy living in the woods, but it turned out to be true. And he gave, it, uh, gave uh, journalism access to this guy, Michael Finkel, who ended up writing this book. Um, it's a fascinating story. Uh, I think, I mean, as, as, as the book title says, The World's Last True Hermit. Mm. I mean, he, he went in 1986. He didn't live a... I think, I think he spent one night in a cabin and he felt so guilty about it, he didn't do it again. He spent every single night. And it gets cold up in Maine, by the way. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's no joke. It's mm. snow. Proper snow. Uh, and he spent every other night of 27 years out in the, in the elements and survived. Incredible. Yeah, amazing story. So that's what, that's what I learned about this week and I thought other people might be interested in that as well. Admittedly, it's no barrel roll on a plane with iced tea, <laughs> but, you know, you can't have it all. He probably still a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. 
Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, Luke, don't gunge me, mate. Pipe down, Pete. I told you never to argue with the customers. Emails, uh. Good to hear you haven't been like um, um, arguing with the customers this time around, Peter. What do you mean? Oh, no, argue, oh yeah. Too, we sorry. talked about it last week. We talked about um, you. Um, did you not hear your own jingle, which you produced and played then? Life passes me by sometimes. <laughs> I can go days without sort of. Go- That's another thing about the, the cabins. They're all made of wood, so you're either creaking about. Yeah, that's all I'm I saying, mean, guys. He, he, I mean, the guy. You don't must know. Have had some close scripts. You don't, don't read the book and let us know what happened. Well, I think some of the cabins were unoccupied yeah. at the weekend or whatever or, right. or during the week probably mm. yeah but anyway we've done that now anyway yeah I, 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 it's a bit of a drag back a bit of a drag back let's, let's not do let's not do I mean I talked about this last let's not do too much poo because it's, right. it's, it gets me down okay it gets me down Adam well I'll do, you know what Adam uh, <laughs> I will do a uh, like a uh, shall I just round a ball of poo emails we've had in basically a big let's use the word dump yeah. Of emails. A content dump. A content just, dump. Can, can, what I would like is if you just condense them down to a series of bullets. <laughs> Please just do that. Yeah. Just like, ra- like rabbits. Because rabbit, I've got a brilliant poo. email which has nothing to do with poo and I want you to hear it. So okay. you, you, go, but you go first. So, Adam uh, had a situation in a school where he found himself in a, in a tech cubby hall joined by a child's poop. Uh, sadly, it, though, d- he didn't... D- did he work there? Yeah, he went, yeah. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, <laughs> come on. Come on. He was, uh, I think he was working in the AV department or some kind of tech job anyway okay. but he uh i don't have the details because i could as i said i condensed these down yeah distilled them no, right, I, so. I requested that so that's fair enough. um curtis robinson poo on the floor in toilets uh socks ceremonially uh, placed on top which i quite like uh what's that's like a flag like, like a little flag flag this is a flag yeah, yeah, yeah. uh ryan uh in the toilet bin somebody did a poo that's disappointing uh, well at least it was in the bin but, but it's in the bin in the toilet yeah it's not that you've been yeah. caught short, you're already in the yeah. toilet. Apparently it happens a lot when uh, people get stressed out. A couple of people uh, know it on, on the emails. Um, Dean Hindle, uh, middle of the floor in the toilet. Uh, management Cobra meeting was called. Management <laughs> came to the agreement that it was probably a fox, ignoring the fact that we do have... Rev- <laughs> in fact, ignoring the fact that we do have revolving doors, security guards, three flights of stairs, and so on. He, uh, Dean does go on to say, I probably won't report it again, to be honest. <laughs> no <laughs> point. It's no more point, it? yeah. Oh, Pete, do we, did we talk on this show about the fox on the escalator at the tube station? Uh, yeah, I think we might yeah. have done, yeah. yeah did, it's just we? weird to see that, you I know. see fox everywhere in my road now. I, I've, I've, it's rather incongruous, isn't it, seeing a, a fox in a... I live probably about 20 houses down the road as you as you enter the road. Mm. And I in that stretch, I've seen four different foxes before in one Oh, night. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. It's so prevalent. Well, they're, they're an incredibly successful species. I think it's because they can... They can all, li- eat almost literally anything they're, mm. they're so adaptable they mm. can eat anything that's yeah. why they f- thrive in both rural and urban areas I think like the guy in the cabin 
in many well, ways. Exactly, yeah. I mean, um, I, I, God knows where he, where he <laughs> p- passed his matter. Um, I think, because I think I mentioned, there, there is a couple of my emails, but I'm, I, I won't, won't go into them, but I think I mentioned at the time that most large businesses um, have instances of, um, like, workplace stress and, and people just flipping out and just rubbing shit all over the place. That, that happens, basically. It's something like over uh, businesses that have over 50 employees... They smear shit on the walls, basically. Wow. Uh, every now and again. Well, listen, it's, just, think, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's an illness, but it's, it happens, sadly. The thing that annoys me about this, Pete, is I started off last week's show asking for stories about fights. Just more poo emails. Maybe they thought you said farts. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, there, there was a guy, I, 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 it's hard to remember how much stuff we've talked about and haven't talked about in this, on this subject. I worked at a place once where someone broke back into the office late doors and, and accidentally had a, uh, basically had an accident on the stairwell. I'll tell you oh, that. yes, I think you yeah, did, yeah, 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 I think yeah, you yeah. did do that one. But but there's a quite a nice story, not a nice story, uh, but in the Rolls-Royce factory in Patchway, Bristol, now a couple of years talking. ago. Now you're talking. I had a Google for dirty protests at work. Um... As far as workplace planks go, I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading, mother! Um, smearing <laughs> shit all over the place isn't the most endearing thing you can do. In fact, it'll probably get you on the fast track to getting sectioned. But a series of dirty protests at the Rolls-Royce factory in Patchway, Bristol, is having an unexpected effect. It's bringing workers together. The okay. £75 million pound facility employs 3,500 people and specialises in aircraft jet engines. And whilst... That's worrying, isn't it? That's <laughs> what the, and while the culprit has struck at least eight times production, the factory will have to continue while a scatological revolt is investigated. However, rather than uh, causing outcry at the factory, it's inspired something akin to the blitz spirit at the plant, with workers noticing a greater sense of community than usual. It's really odd, and it's the one thing in the factory that everyone is talking about, an anonymous worker told the Bristol Post. Yeah. What I like about that is, in engines, there are plenty of places to hide a poop. It sounds plenty of ducts, plenty of holes. Pete, it's going to be like Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop, where he puts the banana on the tailpipe. It sounds to me like the shit has hit the jet engine. Then. Yeah, <laughs> hit the turbine. Yeah. What a terrible. Uh, I know. What a terrible situation. What a disgusting species we are. I, really I, I, I are. had an email about a guy complaining, or not complaining, but observing how you say the word disgusting. How do I say it? I just say it. Disgusting. Yeah, I don't think you normally say it like that. Or, uh, sometimes I go, disgusting. No, you don't. Scar- uh Whenever somebody points something out like that to you, you sort of go, oh, I don't know, it's uh, disgusting. Disgust. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I'm just a man saying disgusting. You don't, you don't say him anywhere near like that. Disgusting. It doesn't make any sense. Just say disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've got one from Daniel Cunningham. Do you want a quick one? It's kind of a cross between uh, a Mink Carter entry and uh, an email, but I'm putting it in the email section because yeah, go we've got it. some listener uh, interaction for the Mink Carter thing this week. Go for it. Um, Damien Cunningham says, uh, in a- another similar vein of bizarre slash tragic sideshow attractions, like Magic Mike the Headless Chicken, which we talked about a couple of uh, weeks ago, yeah. in 1902, a female African elephant named Topsy, that was part of a travelling circus, was executed publicly by hanging to celebrate the opening of a theme park in Corny Island. That is absolutely <laughs> outrageous. What year was that? Uh, 1902. My God. Which is grist to the mill of my theory that elephants are the most fucking miserable creatures in the universe and endure endless suffering at every turn. Well, I'd agree with that. Sorry I mean, to give you such a sombre note, but do keep up the fine work. Yours earnestly, Damien. I've got another email from a guy called Damien. Well, I, well, do, well, do you want the sort of background on Tops of the Elephant? Yeah, okay, That's yeah, 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 I, d- yeah. I did a little bit of research. I, I mean, if this is... I mean, please tell me there's some sort of, like, decent amount of, like... You know, uplifting element to this. Well, it, uh, a grisly end, no doubt. But surely she had some sort of life worthy of the name before that. No, she was a bit of a shit. Oh, she killed someone. 
Well, you, I mean, fine, but actually you can't hang an elephant. No. Uh, well, I don't know how they would bloody do it, but crane. basically... Crane, yeah, crane, well, wouldn't it? Uh, to be honest, it does get mentioned in uh, Bob, Bob, Bob's Burgers, a TV show I quite enjoy that I mentioned a little earlier on. Yeah. Uh, but I did know about that before that, so anyone who thinks I'm obsessed with television and, and, and TV cartoons, isn't it? it's not true, because I only knew about this. And I only knew it through the prism of uh, Nikola Tesla. Well, I, um, I know you well, and I know you are obsessed with it. You're not winning any, any friends by saying so, that. So... Tops the elephant. He, she killed uh, someone, and she wouldn't do what she was told, so she was sold on. And then, thanks to having a bit of a pissed up handler, she was just a bit of a nightmare. But she was a real shit of an elephant. But you know, elephants don't belong in cities, which is what you would well, usually well, that, say. That's an interesting point because, of course, you know, we're, we're brought up to believe that elephants should be respected and they're a really important species. I'm sure they are. But I reckon you get your fair share of shits. In yeah, there. you know, like bad. There's bad apples. Yeah. There's bad apples in every don't species. Let him, don't let them infect the whole bunch. Yeah, but the murder of this uh, elephant, uh, it was filmed by the Edison Company. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Thomas Edison course, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- y- used to uh, be involved with those guys. Uh, basically, the, the, the story goes, which isn't actually true, but the legend goes with Topsy, is that... Um, Thomas Edison um, wanted to use the footage of this elephant uh, dying, getting electrocuted as well, because uh, basically it was hung and also electrocuted and also poisoned in the same instance. This is how this is how hard it is to kill an elephant. It turns out. Uh, so basically, the Edison company wanted to use the footage to show that DC current was safer than alternating current, because there was this big Tesla AC. Uh, versus DC Edison Company um, battle for a long time. Like Marvel Compe- and DC. <laughs> <laughs> competing technologies, uh, and so um, the Edison Company wanted to basically prove that um, that DC current was uh, safer than AC uh, by running DC current. Can you through, uh, sorry, AC current through, uh, through an elephant. You. Find me the biggest animal you can find. I know! Get a moose! Get yeah. a moose! Yeah. Uh, but actually, um, technically, it was just to use in their seaside what the butler saw machines. So they filmed right. it just so that they could get it in, in, in those machines, right. basically. That's outrageous. Isn't I mean, it? who wants to look into a hall and see a, a dying elephant? Uh, so basically, this is what happened. Uh, harrowing, just harrowing. Topsy was fed carrots laced with 460 grams of potassium cyanide by uh, the agent um, Charles Murray, who then backed away. At 2.45pm of the day uh, in 1902, uh, Sharkey gave a sig- uh, signal and an electrician on a telephone told the superintendent at Coney Island Station, nine blocks away, to close the switch, and the Lunar Park chief electrician, uh, Hugh Thomas, closed another one at the park, sending 660 volts from Bay Ridge across Topsy's body for 10 seconds toppling her to the ground. According to at least one contemporary account, she died without a trumpet or a groan. Oh. Were they expecting to go... They're still having a go at her. I know! Yeah. After Topsy fell, the steam-powered winch tightened two nooses placed around her neck for ten minutes. At 2.47, two minutes later, Topsy was pronounced dead. But they gave her a kick again anyway. <laughs> <from that show. laughs> and then they shot her yeah, with a blunderbuss. me. That's Go horrible, isn't it? Some of this so stuff if you do is... need to kill an elephant, that's yeah. how to do it, and know that it's, you know, gonna, gonna work. Um, Dreadful. I've got another email from Damon, and I suspect it might be the same guy. Okay. Which is an admirable amount of commitment to this show. <laughs> some, uh, some would say the commitment we've not shown ourselves. <laughs> um, but, th- I mean, let's just move on from that, because mm. th- Damon, is, as, if it is the same guy, he has excelled himself with a much more cheerful anecdote um, one that will be right up your street, Donaldson. What's the think. elephant body count, Luke? Yeah, there's no, there's no right. elephants mentioned in it, okay. luckily. Um, he says, Hello, Luke and Pete. Um, I have a summer-themed story in a similar vein to Pete's. Um, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna phrase it in the way he's phrased it. Right. But um I think episode two going way back now, you talked about finding in quotes a balloon under your father's and mother's bed. Yeah. It was you, it, it was a real fan favourite story. Yeah, which for you, many. Yeah, it was. I mean and rightly so, I mean you tried to blow it up. People can fill in between between the lines there and know, yeah. know exactly what I mean. In between um, the lips, Luke. So it's a, so Damon says he's got a similar story. He says, Once when I was aged just five I attempted to superglue my teeth and lips shut <laughs> in order to try and become a better ventriloquist and be more like Garfield. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Garfield, yeah, Garfield didn't, didn't open his mouth, did he? He's a cartoon though, isn't he? Yeah, That's the yeah. key. I can imagine you doing something like this. How did he get... I mean, they, it gets really hot, superglue, doesn't it? I mean, you would actually melt your lips. Well, the fact about superglue that oh, everyone knows... Agony. That everyone knows, but just in case there are some people that still don't know this... Right. Um, I'm not patronising, I'm just saying... <laughs> you know, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not saying anything new here, but the reason it sticks your skin together so well is because it was developed during the war... Right. ...as a replacement for sti- stitches. Oh, uh, yes, so, people still use it as... A, um, a battlefield-type um, mm. treatment. Anyway... I remember my mother freaking out, which is in hindsight understandable, because despite all preconceived notions, she does actually care about me, uh, rushing me to the doctor, a normal one, not a witch doctor, and I remember being quite irked uh, because I missed Fraggle Rock that evening as a result. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't say what happened. I mean... There we go. I mean, if only there was a warning at the Shakes end of that TV away. show. Worries for another day. Don't, That's it, isn't it? Don't glue your lips together, you idiot. Down at Fraggle Rock. You won't look like Garfield anyway. Yeah. Um, well, what, I don't know what the treatment will be for that. It doesn't mention it, sadly. I'd like to know what, what the doctor... Because, I, th- I mean, there must be... If you're a doctor, I, I think there's a certain element of doctors, GPs, definitely, mm. where they go, yeah, okay, uh, bear me a second, and they're Googling away. Oh, yeah. They, they, 100%. Every case is different. But on their... In defence of... In, in their defence, I mean, to be fair to them... If someone walks in, if some idiot, and I'm, I'm sorry, Damien, I know you're only five, but some idiot <laughs> walks in and, and they've super glued their mouth shut, right? Mm. I mean, a doctor cannot be expected to learn about that in, in medical school. They can't cover everything. They, they must, super glue is a very popular um, solvent, though, isn't it? If you're not gluing yourself together, you're sniffing it, so. Coming up, uh, Pete Nelson's top three <laughs> solvents. <laughs> Number one, Superglue. Number two, Aroldite. Number three, the one you used to husk beyond the BP garage when yeah. you were a kid. Um, exactly. So the doctor can't be expected not to do that. Mm. Damon, if you would be so kind, I know you've had a couple of emails to us already, but if you could let us know exactly how you were treated, if you can remember, um, I'd very much be interested in hearing mm. that. My favourite glues are the ones that you've got to mix. You've got two kinds of chemicals, yeah. you've got to mix them together. That's, that's your purest so, glue right with there. A, with a match. So they're the ones that, that's the glue that you get to do airfix models with and stuff, mm. right? Do you remember um, Swarfiga as well? I re- do remember Swarfiga, yeah. Did we talk about that on the show already? Uh, no, I think we've uh, we've touched on it. Uh, my mate Gareth, Gareth, my mate Gavin, um, got some free Swarfiga, or he won a competition to get a personalised tub of Swarfiga, oh, yeah, and I was so right. jealous. I'm sure we've talked about this already. That he said that he gave me a, uh, a, a ball, a ball with my name on it, saying. Always follow your dreams. Sorry about that. Um, I told you because I got some in my eyes, didn't I? Did you? Yeah. Oh. It's horrible. It's really Long bad. Time ago. My, I used to love using tool feet because you used to put it on before you put the water on your hand. There's quite a bit of novelty involved. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the eighties were like. Yeah. Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace for all. It's one small step for man. You don't understand. Willie really was a salesman. <laughs> If someone could tell me what the hell that's from. Yeah, Very simply, with hope, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you too. Good morning to you, random man. Has this, got a lo- has this show got a late night feel? Because we do record it quite late in the evening. We do, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's quite to 11 now. Yeah. I like the late night feel. It feels a bit like... Um, Put your shoes back on. Sorry, yeah. It feels a bit like a... Um, 
you know, like a sort of, you know, late night chat show. <laughs> with no <laughs> callers, right. with no callers. <laughs> night, night caller. Yeah. Remember that TV um, show that used to feature a late night talk DJ? Yeah. That used to talk to women, usually, and solve crimes in the night. Give you a real kind of inaccurate idea about what overnight DJery was oh, and was, is. Well, you would know. Well, exactly. I was it's not say, like that, I know that. I was going to say, up with the partridge. But <laughs> what do you, when you, on your evening shows, your nighttime shows, what does it do? give people a little glimpse behind the curtain, what do you do? You, I mean, oh, you're on your own for four or five hours, what do you do? Go on YouTube and find things for this show, yeah. or just my own satisfaction. Careful. Um, there was a guy who used to, um, they used to let me, can I say the radio station? There was a radio station that used to play jazz 24-7. Okay. If uh, that'll be hard to track down. Even if you're if you're on even nodding terms with uh, the UK radio industry, you'll know exactly which station it was. But um, so they have these guys called Tech Ops, where they basically play out pre-recorded programs. So just to keep the radio station on air. But they're present at the time. When it they're happened. present at the time, so they 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 just play out basically links and music and and things like that. They just keep the radio station running on overnight and stuff like that. They get paid a minimal fee. Do they speak at they, all? They don't speak at all. No, oh, okay. no. Um, and so they uh, so one time on overnights, uh, Jazz FM was on, and you could clearly hear um, all of our computers are linked to the to the mixing desk, so you mm. can basically play out stuff on air, like you know how we played the YouTube thing earlier yeah, on, yeah, with the man, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the man pl- uh, pouring iced tea and. In, in zero gravity or whatever um it, it was wasn't zero gravity but well it was yeah. you know, well g's were involved weren't they yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that? um you still working at nasa <laughs> <laughs> no, i got i got um, iced tea in the in the, in the instruments so they won't let what, me the rapper <laughs> <laughs> he uh yeah and so uh, this man was basically clearly listening or watching something a little bit illicit because over the top of this rather jazzy and let's face it fitting soundtrack you yeah, can hear yeah. gay pornography men pumping away really yeah Okay, is he still so, working so, in the industry? Like, so this jazzy... Anyway, and here and he is! Like, oh, oh, yeah, please, fuck, oh. Please welcome our new guest. <laughs> who, who was it? I don't know who it was, to okay. be honest, oh, but I don't think he worked there. There was a guy who was, uh, when he used to work for XFM, there was a guy who used to do tech hopping, who was very keen on the website fuckingmachines.com. Oh my goodness. Which is men who've made yeah, power drills with dildos on them. Yeah, we don't need to know about Fucking that. Fuckingmachines.com. We don't need to know about that, do we? Yeah. No, no we, we don't. As, as, as probably 70 to 80% of the questions I ask you, I wish I didn't ask you <laughs> What we got for Men Carter? Sophie! Okay. A girl! Okay. <laughs> Sorry about all things I've said earlier on this episode. Well, you should be apologising to everyone. I know, but it just seems more egregious when it's girls. Yeah. Uh, hello, boys. Uh, I like amusing history uh, almost as much as I like uh, other stuff, and Luke's uh, talk of military blunders reminded me of oh. a possibly apocryphal tale about the Liechtenstein army. This is episode one, stuff. I know! Yeah. Military blunders. Well, there what was a delicious blunder. We can, we can all agree there really were some truly delicious blunders, blunders in that book. The story goes that during the Austro-Prussian War in 1866, 80 men went off to fight, but 81 came back. Wow. With a foreign officer, either Italian or Austrian, depending on which version of the story you read, joining up with them on the way home. Perhaps the opposite of a blunder to actually have increased your fighting force after a war. Although yeah. ultimately pointless, as the Liechtenstein army was disbanded a couple of years later, they still have no military to this day. They, they probably went, you know what? We've done better than we ever imagined yeah. with our 80 soldiers. We'll take the money and go. We've had, we've had, <laughs> we've had a lovely day, Chris Tarrant. Yeah. We're off. <laughs> well, but the thing is, the flip side to that is if you're actually gaining people, carry on. Yeah. Carry on with it. Keep on collecting it. And, and, with, with, like lint on a with hoover. Yeah, keep hoovering you, up do you people. Mean a, do you mean a dry? What's it called? A, a tumble dryer? 
Yeah. Yeah. Did, Sof- did Sophie mention- Did Sophie say the entire Lichtenstein army was 80 members? No, well, no, that'd be mad, wouldn't it? Well, there's not many people Even in back in 1866, 80 men went off to fight, so presumably some of the battalions went. Yeah, okay, That's right. not- I don't care how small your country is, that's not enough people. No. The Jersey army probably has more. Uh, even, uh, Evan Kearney sent this one. I think he's, oh, he's the guy who emailed in and said his name's pronounced Carney or something. He got annoyed yeah, about it. Yeah, uh, but he also said that some people call him Effen. Effen, But I didn't yeah. do that. No, you so didn't. So, e- one up. Evan Kearney. Evan Kearney. But you, but, but, Kearney. Little, little, little sort of tip for you. If you email in and you talk about at great length a couple of sentences about how to pronounce your name, you're almost <laughs> like legally obliged to pronounce it wrong on purpose. Yeah, I think so. So just take what you get. <laughs> well, this is another bizarre military engagement. Uh, okay. The Pig War of 1859. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, reading off uh, his... Well, actually, not off his email. He, he goes into um, very little very little uh, detail, but I managed to find an, uh, an internet page about it. But the Pig War in uh, 1859 is perhaps uh, one of the most obscure and unusual wars in history. It started in 1846 when the Oregon Treaty was signed between the US and the British. The treaty aimed to put to rest a long-standing border issue, uh, but it was actually quite hard to draw up the line between the uh, the, the border and the, uh, the the set of islands situated in the uh, southwest of Vancouver. Ar- around this region, the treaty stated that the border had to be through the middle of a channel, but because the um, islands were rather strangely positioned, uh, it was always going to be difficult, basically. So, in 1859, the British had a significant presence on the island. Bolstered uh, with the recent arrival of the Hudson Bay Company, who set up a salmon curing station. Love cured salmon. Yeah. Delicious. And, and also a sheep ranch on the island. Meanwhile, a contingent of between 20 to 30 US settlers had also recently arrived on the same island and made it their home. And someone arrived and burnt a million pounds on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 50 pounds are being found everywhere. Yeah. Uh, judging by reports of the time, both sets of islanders actually got on rather well. Uh, however, this is not to last, as on June the 15th, 1859, a pig belonging to the British accidentally wandered onto the land of Lyman Cutler, a American farmer. When Cutler noticed the pig eating some of his potatoes, he was incensed and he shot and killed the pig. That's not an appropriate <laughs> response. Well... I Is don't it? know. Well, well, the conversation went. It was owned by a British employee of the Hudson Bay Company called Charles Griffin. Uh, this is the conversation that, that transpired between uh, Griffin and Cutler. <laughs> Griffin went to confront Cutler about uh, shooting his uh, pig. Cutler said, but it was eating my potatoes. <laughs> Griffin said, rubbish, it's up to you to keep your potatoes out of my pig. What? I'm not having that. I'm not on board Isn't that beautifully uh, put? Uh, Cutler did, however, offer to pay uh, Griffin a sum of uh, $10 in compensation for the dead pig, but this was refused. Instead, Griffin reported Cutler to the local British authorities, who threatened to arrest him, much to the anger of the local American citizens, who subsequently drew up a petition requesting US military protection. That protection was granted, and a big war kicked off, sort of, uh, until the... uh, It was kind of a bit of a pitch battle, but uh, Admiral Robert L. Baines, Commander-in-Chief of the British Navy in the Pacific, basically went, I am not involving two great nations in a war over a squabble about a pig. So... Something like it. I mean, back, back in those days, they were all up about the war. I know. So, yeah, he didn't want to get involved with, uh, with uh, a pig war, effectively, which I quite like. Like do, you want, do you want one final one yeah. uh, for the Mencarta to be uh, inducted into Mencarta? Yeah, sure. Uh, this is from uh, Tig. Hello, Tig. What's the crack, lads? 
All right. Guess where Tig's from? Ireland. Is he from Ireland? <laughs> He's from Ireland. Yeah. Uh, after hearing the chat last week uh, about the Great Boston Molasses Flood, that was actually the first episode, I thought I'd add in a lesser-known fact about another American city, Seattle. While living in Seattle during the summer of 2014, we decided to do an underground tour of the old part of the city. Originally, we thought the tour would just uh, have us walking around the city's old abandoned sewer pipes or moving through the basements of surrounding buildings, but what the tour actually turned out uh, to be was far more interesting. When uh, the old part of the city was being built on uh, the marshy land that surrounded the area. It, like most cities, was built on the coast around the main port. However, unbeknownst to the locals, the concept of tides did not seem to enter into the great minds of the city planners. In addition to this, it soon became apparent that marsh isn't the most ideal of foundations to build a city on, as it soon started sinking. Why do people still keep doing yeah. that, you know? Yeah. Um, this perfect storm of sinking land and disastrous planning meant that when the city's sewer lines were installed, all the sewage would be pumped out into the Pacific and brought down the coast to the near city of Tacoma uh, during low tide. But during high tides, all of Seattle's waste, along with the waste from Tacoma, along with all seawater, would come <laughs> rushing back in, resulting in a not uh, molasses flood, but a poo flood. Yeah. We were told that such, such was the force of the sewage re-entering the pipeline that it would ca- cause uh, toilets to rocket up into the air. Wow. Wow. What did they do about it, Pete? Exciting. Uh, basically, they, uh, they raised the entire city by two stories. They built uh, massive 20 to 30 foot walls around blocks of buildings and gradually uh, filled the area in with whatever they could find. What you're probably thinking now is, how did they get around with giant walls surrounding the buildings? Well, giant ladders, of course. Yeah, I mean, is this so true? <laughs> that's what he's saying. I didn't have time to check this one out, to be honest. Is this through the net? Well, uh, apparently a combination of drunk men and giant ladders is not a good mix, and there's a grim old wives' tale that many a drunkard may have ended up entombed in the city's foundations after suffering a heavy fall. I mean, he, he, I mean, sorry, the reason I'm getting confused is because he, he took the tour in 2014. This didn't happen in 2014. No, yeah, no. That's that, fair enough, <laughs> A bit more... Uh, a bit confused. There's a few skyscrapers <laughs> in Seattle. Yeah, probably, yeah. Not, uh, probably not getting involved <laughs> in that kind of care. But what I would say is that... Um, didn't Edinburgh had, uh, like, an underground city. Yeah. Part around, uh, yeah. around the train station. I think you still do, st- you do still do a tour of it now, I believe. Yeah, I yeah. find that. I find Ed- anything abandoned fascinating. Tube stations, train stations, ah! Oh. There's a number of tube stations abandoned in London, of course. Yeah. And, you can, and they have, um, sort of... Oldwich and all those you ones. Can, you can hire them out, I think. There's one you on the can Strand now, as well. You can nowadays. Isn't that not Oldwich, the Strand? I think or is might- there's the British Library. Oh, there's, there's bloody loads of them to be honest. They're, my favourite one is if you stand on the northbound Northern Line uh, station at London Bridge, you can look up into a small. Uh, when it was all competing companies in in sort of uh, the early 1900s, uh, there was a small tunnel uh, that used to serve about three or four stations, and you can see it to this very day. Really, in uh, London, uh, London Bridge. In about 1860-ish, the first London tube station, underground station, was was mm. created, which is Baker Street. Yeah. I mean, why didn't they do another one? What do you mean? Well, because where's it going to go? Oh, where's right. the train going to go? I, don't, I, think I do, don't know. I don't think the second one was built until a couple of years <laughs> later. So it's like yeah, we're definitely going to get to that. Surely you've got to open to it at the same time. Yeah. Well, they were also a very. They were all competing sort of uh, technologies and different gauges of the rails and stuff like that. Oh, were there they? was a great story in um, I think Alexandra Palace. They, they basically had a problem to get through a hill, uh, so they just dug a tunnel, and they had uh, the world's first um, vacuum-powered train. Huh. So basically, they they made a seal, uh, like an oily seal, uh, through the whole tunnel, and they would just use a generator to generate uh, the, uh, I presume, well, not steam, uh, but I guess air, compressed air, that would push, propel the train through this uh, the, was the, that? this tunnel. That was like you know the same same sort of time, nineteen hundreds, I think. And, and did it work? Uh, it didn't work because the rats ate all the grease. 
Oh really? So it uh, it, um, it destroyed the uh, the tunnels effectively. Have you, have you been on the uh, bullet train? Uh, what the Japanese one? Shinkansen, yeah. Have you? Times, yeah. What's it like? Uh, it's very quick. I've been on a faster train, the Maglev, that floats in uh, Shanghai. Right, that gets okay. up like two hundred miles an hour, maybe faster. I can't remember two hundred fifty miles per hour. I might be going mad there, but does it feel like you're going faster? Uh, yeah, it absolutely whips along, but it's very smooth, obviously, because it's. But the thing is, it's such, it's such a space, it's not space age, but it's such a, an advanced technology. But it only runs from the airport to just inside the city limits. Like it's. So not how long great. you want it for? Second. How long you want it for? Then? About twenty minutes, half an hour, I think. Well, it must be quite far away then. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just, saying, I'm just saying that why don't you just get it right into the centre of the city? That's right, what I'm saying. okay, right. And, yeah. and, because on a plane, obviously, you don't really feel like you're moving along, so is, is it similar to that sort of experience? It's, it, it, it is whip, whip quick. And, and, and to be honest, the, the Shinkans and the bullet trains very quick as well. But, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, uh... I'm only used to getting southern, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> but what is it, if, if, the, uh, the actual ceremony of the, uh, of the train actually pulling into the station is actually something to behold, because they've got such a long noses. Yeah. Just, I mean, presumably due to the aerodynamics, uh, aerodynamics yeah, and stuff, yeah. but they've got such a long kind of, they look like the blobfish. Yeah. And the blobfish with the big old schnozzer. So is that train the fastest train in the world, then? The Maglev. So I was about to, yeah, yeah. I was about to say... I think it is, yeah. I think if, the Maglev is. If people listening have been on a faster train <laughs> than that... <laughs> maybe the, maybe there lying. is one, I don't know. You're lying. Yeah. Because you know we talked about paradoxes last week? There's probably one in bloody uh, Qatar or something. You know, you know we talked about paradoxes last week? We right. mentioned paradoxes briefly, I forget why. Um, it was to do with the brain, the human brain. Mm. Well, I was thinking of a paradox at the time, I completely forgot to say it. Um, and it was, it was based around this, bear with me on this. If you're if you're sending a, a a spacecraft to a far off galaxy, say a couple of light years away or whatever, no longer than that, like light years away. It's not a day that I don't do that, Luke. No, well, quite. You know all about this. That's why I'm mm. asking you, <laughs> right? And say it took, say, in real time, it took thirty years to get there. Mm. Okay, then is it not fair to assume then that while that spacecraft's doing that thing, within that interim thirty years on Earth, there could have been technology built even better, which means that you would send one later that would get there quicker, so there's no yeah. point sending that one in the first oh. place. So would it then, would it then in, impede technology because you're thinking, well, we spent all that money sending that earlier one, there's no point sending this one that's going to get there first because it's going to render that other one obsolete. Mm. So is there any point doing it? Well, they do take a long time to um, build, and like once you're right, though, once they, once they get up, they're, they're massively obsolete. What I'm saying is the distances are so far, and, and the time is so long that it's actually mm. very, very difficult for the software to actually justify it because yeah. you're, you're gonna, better stuff's going to come along. Yeah. Interesting one. But just put it would out you there, put it in a, Would you put your money in your pot, though? Like, oh, we've given you all this money. We're just, oh, we're just waiting. Yeah. <laughs> we're just waiting until... The time we... is right now. Yeah. It's now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Difficult it's hard to know. to know when to sort of stop, but maybe it's a kind of very futuristic, um, uh, theoretical um, uh, conundrum. You've, you've, you've travelled faster than me on Earth. In, in in the maglev, I've never gone anywhere near that fast. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if I wonder if um, either of us have gone on a faster plane than each other. Hard to know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, did you How go? On, did you go on Concorde in the eighties? Oh, I'm so annoyed I missed that. That's the most eighties thing Apart ever. From that one that crashed the in most, Paris. The most eighties thing to ever happen was Phil Collins getting the Concorde from London to, do live to perform in New York and uh, do two on the same on the same day <laughs> in Live Aid. Yeah, that's the most and nothing more 80s has ever happened than that. No. Phil Collins, Live Aid, Concord in one story. I remember do you remember when the last Concord flew? I remember going on the roof of my uh, London office. Oh, did you see it? When I used to work for the uh, London, London government, I uh, st- stood on the top of the... We all ran to the top. And I, w- I wouldn't care. I was like with three Australians who just didn't really give a toss, to be honest. Could you actually see it properly? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. No, I remember it coming I mean, land. Not a... Not a- not a, not a non-chilled spine around. Though <laughs> used, used to work for the London, Gov- London Council. God, it those was, days it were in was the for past. housing. 
Are, um, we, are we out of time? We're out of time. Let's get out of here, Lou. Yeah, okay, let's do God it. God damn it. We should have every week. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. Yeah. There it is. Found it in the end, mate. If you want to uh, get in touch, as always, just get in touch via the email system we have here in, <laughs> on the internet. It's uh, a regularly monitored email system. It's uh, hello at uh, lukeandpeachshow.com. We'll see you next week for more Luke and Pete Show. I'm running out of theme. Bye, Luke. See ya.